This is the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. At Dre Not at Akron Jackson on most of your favorite social media platforms. We're at a to z podcast.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z Podcast. Shouts as always to Scene to the Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks and Cleveland Whiskey for helping to make this thing happen. Shout out to you guys for helping it grow, for giving us feedback, for telling us you want more podcasts or you want to hear us talk about this or that. We appreciate it. So um, been a weird time with so many people spent by the Browns and then, um, you know, demanding that the media be held accountable for the Browns being terrible and whatever else. Uh, but we can I appreciate say something to those people? every, can I, can I say, can I say something to those people real quick? Yeah. And let's put a, let's put a thing out right now. Sometimes we say words that we shouldn't say or that we can't say because we're grown ups. If you think the problem with the Browns is the media, here's the, I'll spell it out for you. F U C K Y O U. Continues that. Yeah. I'm in a good mood today. Let's get it all out of the way. Yeah, if you think so. it's the media's problem, you're you're part of the problem of America. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um <clears throat> <laughs> Yeah. It, I just the comment section and my DMs. Oh my god. I mean, my god. My God. That's all I can say. I, I texted this to you last night and we'll talk about the Browns win. It was a win, and a win is a win, and it's Monday. And Victory Monday in Cleveland, Ohio looks exactly how it should look when you basically pee down your leg to get to victory. But I avoid the – and look, we're people's people. I mean, Zach finds his way out um, at a high school football game almost more than he does an NFL game, and he puts himself amongst the people. Uh, we like talking to you guys, being around you guys, and I know it's not everybody, but sometimes when you read the comments, and now I know why newspapers that still are breathing and, and still exist, why they don't show the comments, even though the comments used to be in the Plain Dealer and Beacon Journal used to be my favorite part of the paper because I'm an idiot. <laughs> but literally, like 15, 20 minutes after you wrote your first article yesterday, I got people yelling at you about, did he mention the safety? And it's like, did you read the story or did you just go right to the bottom and start talking crazy? Um, it, it's amazing where our country is right now. I got to admit, you did a good job on your first article, but the comments were more comical than what you actually wrote and then well, the, see, through four hours become, that we watched. Um, Shout out to Jason who decided that we should go with a quick reaction article, you know, to get something up right. to engage. But it's awesome. Yeah, it, well, it's become the sounding board, and you know what? That's fine. We, we've talked for many years right here on this podcast, Dre, about the power of the NFL. Right? Because it's only one a week, you ride the wave, good or bad. Right? And then all that emotion right. comes out in those three hours, and then now in the social media era, in in the hour or two or three after that, while you're still wound up while you're still inebriated while you're still angry whatever it may be all, all the above <laughs> right <laughs> um <clears throat> the bottom line is this the browns needed to win the game and it was not pretty uh it did not need to be nor i don't think did anyone expect it to be um given the way the bills play and, and the way the browns were still trying to find themselves offensively they won the game uh they they were on a four game losing streak they had not won since september and as I commented on our athletic podcast, it was awesome to see the emotion of the fans finally. I mean, I mean November 10th, you win your first home game of the year, right? Right. So yeah. the people that stuck around and they made the plays and it's just been such a bizarre season on many levels. You have Hollywood Higgins. Um, they won't play him. Presumably he won't because go in. what he did. Then he, he catches the pass, you know, um, the, the defense, which – uh, I don't know, has been bafflingly bad. 
finally plays good against the run and stands up and doesn't let the Bills get past the 35 or 36-yard line. And frankly, yesterday, nobody's making that kick. They missed it. So, Yeah. Well, you know, before we before we have a parade for the defense stopping them there, um, I think at times Freddie may have been calling plays for the Bills, too, offensively. Um, mm-hmm. He may have been an all-day offensive coordinator. Um, look, the win is great. And I don't – Lord knows. I do not want to pee on the parade of a, of a victory because victories are needed. And the one thing about football that's so different from NBA basketball, so different from Major League Baseball, and part of the reason why we have conversations the way we have conversations about fans, about people reacting on Twitter or on comment sections, is that football is a hard, in my estimation, football is a hard sport to be a complete fan for because you only get 16 opportunities to win or lose. So there's only 16 opportunities for us to talk about actual and 60 minutes to actually talk about a game. And the Browns, for for whatever reason, for 20 years, have found a way to to make stories on Monday through Saturday when they don't play games. And it becomes this constant riot back and forth between fans and media and the players about how good or how bad they are because the 16 games, there's not a lot we can take away from that make us walk around positive. Where in baseball, you can't get caught up in – an error in the third inning on Monday because, well, there's another game on Tuesday. Uh, you can't get caught up in a bad defensive series in, in the NBA because, well, there's another game on Wednesday, and they're going to do the same thing on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. But there's so many possessions. I just think the sports are different and how they're written about, how they're talked about on radio, um, and the build-up. And, 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 that, and all of those things are positives about the NFL, in my estimation. Like, I don't want to sit here and make fun of Freddie for 45 minutes, 35 minutes. I don't. Um, it wasn't a beautiful win. The Buffalo Bills aren't a beautiful team. But you know what? They were on the schedule, and the schedule said at 1 o'clock on November 9th or whatever it was, those two teams were going to meet. One was going to win. One was going to lose. And the Browns walked away as victors. And as you said, even though you got guys basically, you know, walking the red carpet and talking about shaking the shit out of people and, and talking like they're on their way to the Super Bowl, well, I get it on one hand because you only get so many opportunities. And, and Lord knows when you only get so many times to win or lose that you get times to gloat you're going to gloat because that's, you know, we've told you on this podcast a million times we're in the industry. And the work and we're that in goes in, you should celebrate. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. No, we don't. Yeah. I don't have anything wrong with, with that. Um, but I think some of the realities of what we spoke on before one o'clock yesterday still exist for the Cleveland Browns. And I think, you know, that's, look, you want to start off with positives. Um, and we, we've, We've weaved carefully about the Kareem Hunt situation from day one. Um, I think I don't want to speak for Zach. Zach will speak for himself. I think both of us, when you listen to AZ podcast, we want the most positive things from, for Kareem and his wife and for his family. Um, I do pull for him and cheer for him because, I mean, how can you not? I've always told the story, and I get, and I get pissed when people hate that I cheer for Ohio kids. But no matter what, like people still are mad at me that I, I'm happy for Kyle Schwarber that he won the World Series in 2016. And I'm like, well, why would I not? He grew up in, in Ohio with the same dreams I had, the same dreams all my buddies had. He wanted to play at Ohio State. And he wanted to play Major League Baseball or NFL football. Still got an Ohio State helmet in his locker in Chicago. The guy's an Ohio kid. I did one of his games in Ohio. Sure, I didn't want him to win the World Series in 2016, but I'm going to cheer for a guy that had the same dream as me. Um, and I'll always be that way. I think that's part of the fascination and part of the love that we have for the game. Um, so for Kareem Hunt, who I was interviewing at 16 years old, um, and yes, he went through some some very tough situations that I hope that he's matured from and become a better person from. Um, it is awesome, and 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 I and I'll be honest, and you you're covering the team, 
and I know I'm doing pregame on Thursday, and we're kind of debating how we want to go about this. You want to celebrate the hometown kid, a hometown kid that's this talented, um, but part of his story is some of the problems he ran into, right? And, and it's like, how do you weigh, how do you weigh those out? But physically, as a football player, what they did with him and how they used him for all the negative upset about Freddie as an offensive court for what he's done in 2019, Zach, I loved how they used him, and I loved how Kareem gave himself up. I love what they did with him. And I think it should be an eye-opener to the Antonio Callaways, the Richard Higgins, uh, and, and, and the Farrell Browns and everybody else. If you want to be a part of this offense and you want to fit in with Odell, with Jarvis, as well as Nick Chubb, and now you got to put Kareem's name in it, you got to sacrifice. And I'm not saying those guys haven't. But when you have Kareem Hunt, to me, a guy, and I keep saying this and some people's cringe when I say it, and that's okay. To me, he's, the, he's this era's version of Marshall Falk when you look at his numbers. And that, to me, is one of the best running backs of all time because he can catch the ball, because he, it's almost like, and I've said Marcus Allen in the past too, because he can catch the ball, because he can block, because he can run, because you can line him up in multiple positions. He's the switchblade of, of, of switchblades. And in this era of offense, if you learn how to use that guy just right, he could he could become he can still put up the same numbers he put up in Kansas City without all the touches. So I will walk away from from this game with yes, it was a win, but what I love more than anything else is they they figured out how to use two running backs, and you don't see a lot of teams do that in the NFL. And to me, they've got two of the best running backs in all of the NFL, and that should be the focus of the offense. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I totally agree with you on walking delicately. I mean, the Kareem Hunt story is not a heartwarming story, right? Um, no. You can root for the kid to succeed. Clearly, the Browns have trusted him. Uh, clearly, they went out of their way to gush over him, to make sacrifices for him, to give him a chance. And clearly, they had him ready to play. And, and I think when you look at it, how, how involved he was, there is no way that he is in prime football shape right now. There is no way that he's at top speed, right? He hadn't played in a year. Right. He had been in a handful of practices. So um, to think what he might be in a couple weeks when he gets back to game speed and then gets to catch his breath and kind of assess where he is. Yes, and, and you saw him play the slot. You saw them use two back lineups. You saw him all over the place. So they want him to play, and that's good. Um, first of all, Antonio Callaway needs to go. It's embarrassing. Um, and it's Preach. really unfair of John Dorsey to do that to Freddie, to keep the guy around. He doesn't make plays, Trey. He's nothing but a nuisance. He can't be trusted. They keep putting him in positions. So it's just time for him to go. Um, if he doesn't, if he does or doesn't for him, for Higgins, for the other guys, as you talked about with hunt here, uh, you know, the word is out, like you're going to earn these, you're going to earn your reps. So I I think the whole overarching thing here is we always talk about this guys. The truth is in the middle. So the Browns have an easier schedule coming up. Things couldn't have gone worse for the Browns. And we've seen glimpses, just glimpses yesterday of what this offense can be. At the same time, they remain among the most disorganized and embarrassing teams in the league. So, yeah. and maybe well, at the bottom in both of those. So, where's the truth? Yeah, it's it's you got two of the next Somewhere three games the... to where you're really going to get tested, and we're going to find out if you're worth right. shit or not, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's stop talking about how easy the schedule is until Thursday, because Thursday to me, you're playing a really good. Forget who's that quarterback for the Steelers and all that other stuff. They're a really good team. They have pride. They understand what an AFC North battle is, um, and it's not a rivalry until you kick their ass. And that and that's how Pittsburgh sees it. Yeah, you tied them last year, um, but th- this to me is where Freddie can make his hay. And it's a short week. It's a quick turnaround. I think that's a good thing for the Browns. You can't celebrate this win. You got to get your ass right back in there and get ready. And the Steelers are playing really good defense. If you watch them against the and the Rams aren't the Rams anymore. 
I think we saw that in the game that the Browns had against them. Um, but I've watched Pittsburgh a lot. I think we all have. And they don't scare you per se. But, Zach, as, as I just said, they have a culture of who they are and what they are. They understand what this trip on Thursday night means to them. Um, they, they just do. And defensively, how they use Joe Hayden is playing much better. And you guys can say what you want. And we've had this conversation. I'm not going to say he's going to lock down. He doesn't lock down anybody, but they know how to use him in that defense. Um, and Benico Fitzpatrick is playing exactly uh, just how we thought he was. Miami traded him one year after making him a first-round pick. They should be disbanded from the NFL for a year. Like, that kid is, like, one of the best defense players in football. You just give him up for a first-round pick? Like, how do you sell that to your fans? I know that's a whole other podcast, a whole other place. But he's going to be defensive player of the year. <laughs> like, and you just gave up on him, basically. How do you do that? That's the kid you should be building around. I don't even want to get into that. Well, hey, but, reaction to that trade. Reaction to that trade tells you um, which fan bases will forever and always be addicted to draft picks and which ones won't be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're right. You're right. It's a good point. I just think this is a big week. We can talk about the schedule and everything else. If they can win Thursday, then okay. Um, I can give them a legitimate, you know, shot of having a good second half. Not that they can't, but that Buffalo team didn't impress me in any way, shape, or form. But as you wrote, one of the best deodorants in the world is victory, and they have one. So enjoy it for the next 24 hours or so um, and buckle up for Thursday night. Yeah, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it is about winning and finding a way, and that's – as cliche as it gets, but I think a part in the growth process, Dre, is is not just actually winning rather than telling everybody you're going to be great, right? But it's right. finding a way when you're down. Baker had not done that yet, right? It's finding a way when things don't go your way, and a lot of things didn't go the Browns' way. But um, I just watched right before we started doing this the replay of the, uh, the miss to hunt that Jerry Hughes picks up. And it was clearly yeah. a pass, and it just happened so fast. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people saw that. But when you watch the one side angle on the TV broadcast, it goes right through his hands. Like it, it didn't. Co- I thought in fast motion that it came up short of him, but it went right through. Like as he was trying to cuff, cup his arms, like he was taking a it's hand a, off. And as so, a former running back, it's a terrible play call with a guy yeah, that plays well, a year. You don't. But it's call, just such a game of inches because. Right, it could touch it's him one way, play. and then would not, it would have gone down right. backwards, and Baker would have fallen on right. it, and it would have been it, obviously it, a pass, or it, there wouldn't have been the big right hullabaloo. Or right. it could have yeah. hit the top of his hand, popped in the air, and who knows what might have happened with it? So he went right. literally it's right terrible, through his okay, arms. Here, and I don't want, yeah, and I don't want to kill Baker for it. Baker didn't have the best throw. Hunt didn't have the best, but it's hard. It, and and let me, as a former running back, and I only say this because. Your eyes are always – like, they tell you when on handoffs and on quick passes like that, you keep your eyes on it, but you cheat. It's natural. As a running back, you cheat to see what the line is doing, where your holes are going to be. You want to see that immediately. Mm-hmm. Imagine, driving, imagine driving 55 miles an hour during a rush rush hour, and you have to take your eyes off the road for a couple minutes, for a couple seconds, but you still got to keep going 55 miles an hour. It's not an easy trade as a running back to just be running for, you know, fast as you possibly can, looking upfield and, and trying to catch a ball at the same time. Not easy. And it's going to play into something else. So I'm glad you brought that up. I love that, like, that's a play that they've run with Chubb all year long. Well, Chubb hasn't missed a game. Chubb hasn't missed many practices, correct? So his timing and, and his being comfortable with that situation, way different than Kareem Hunt. Now, do I get wanting to get Kareem Hunt the ball in that situation? Sure. But you got to have an understanding and feel for who you're running these plays for. You want to run that for him in the first quarter, the second quarter? That's great. You should have if you know you want to use it late. 
You don't do that to a running back who hasn't played in 300 and some days. He just told everyone. Now to add on to that, and you know, if you listen to this podcast, you follow me on Twitter, you can follow both of us. I have, I don't tweet during games nearly as much as I used to, because I just, I'm, I'm trying to be a adult and I can't deal with the dumbasses. but I did tweet early because we got to talk about the goal line situations and I put it pretty, I put it out there pretty strong. And I'll, and this is, look, I'm not a football savant, but I love the game and I've studied the game and I love the offensive side of it. My uncles coached it for years. I, I just love the game and I know what I've been taught and I've been taught by some pretty good guys. And I screamed on Twitter, stop pitching the ball on the goal line. Why? Because you have a 235 pound running back running sideways rather than straight ahead, north and south, when you only got to get a yard. And just like I said on the, on the, on the, on the shovel pass, you don't want Nick Chubb searching for holes when he only has to get a yard. You know, like, and, like, and, and defensively, how would you rather tackle Nick Chubb? Running sideways, looking, or running straight ahead? Like it does, and, and if you're going to run those type of plays, spread the defense out. You're, you played into what the defense wanted you to do, and then you do it three times. Like, how hard-headed can that possibly be, Zach? It's so frustrating because I am not smarter than any coach on the Brown sideline. I will say that. I, I know that. They've, they've, they've pissed away more football than I'll ever see or know because they spend all their days watching tape. But it's elementary stuff like that that makes the kid that played in high school and college or makes the average fan go, what in the hell are you doing? Why would you just, just a week ago, he was bitching saying he went for the, the quarterback sneak because why would I turn around and hand it off seven yards to get one yard? That was a quote from Freddie Kitchens, correct? Hmm. Then the next week you're going to pitch it when you need one yard? Like, right, it, it's, frustra- it's frustrating. All right, let, let, let's, before we dive into the red zone stuff, <laughs> eight plays from a one yard line. I mean, I mean, <laughs> But 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 let's 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 put this into where the Browns are, okay? Um, just trying to get Odell involved is progress, right? And so yeah. I, I look at this team now headed. It, it, it'll be squarely in the middle of middle of November the next time they play, and it'll be game ten. So headed to the to the the back stretch of the season, um, <laughs> like they're just behind, and and there is a chance. Right, that given the schedule, given that Kareem's here, given that they're finally at least trying to get Odell involved, given that Nick Chubb is running like a bat out of hell, a 230-pound mean bat, like there's a chance that this thing all starts coming together and it just looks back and they were they were just behind schedule for whatever reason or reasons. Maturity, coaching, right. offensive line play, all of the above, right? Um, right. But in the full evaluation – and this is what John Dorsey has to do. This is the people that John Dorsey trusts the most have to do. Um, this is what the players have to do with themselves. In the full evaluation is everything of why are you behind? What 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 happened? What didn't work? Um, you know, the fact that you're searching for answers on offensive line, I think that falls mostly on Dorsey. Um, whether you finish six and ten or nine and seven, your quarterback has to play better. Your quarterback has to be healthy. I mean, he played one of his better games yesterday. It was far um, from outstanding. However, he did lead the last drive. He gives Jarvis a chance to make that play on the sideline. Um, you know, right after that crazy Jerry Hughes play is third down, calm completion, boom, boom, right down the field, right mm-hmm. in the scoring range. That's exactly what yeah. you would see in that drive. If you look, it looks like he called the winning play. He called Higgins' number. Higgins got open. He threw a dart. Uh, honestly, his first touchdown was an even better question. 
And, yeah, and, well, can I can I ask you a question real quick? Yep. Do we? I've heard little bits and pieces. Do we know the significance or how much Baker called the last play, or was it just simply because they put everybody on the left hand side? They had Higgins. One yeah, I, I don't I'm not, think like we I, know. I'm not think, trying. I'm not trying to kill it, but I've heard people say. Yeah, stuff no, I like, think we're insinuating well, shit, from one, what the TV one, showed. You got one on one on. Okay, but if you got one on one on one side, that's not like breaking the bank as a quarterback. That's what no, every but, quarterback in the NFL should. But do. it's making the right decision. <laughs> it's making the right decision, right? Uh, what I'm saying here is is this: like, you know, in the, there's going to be a full evaluation, and it's not getting made on anybody or the Browns themselves after nine games, right? And and it, it, three and six, I don't think anybody wants it to be, right? Um, but guys, the games are still mismanaged. Um, this is a power run team; it's still running too much empty in its own goal line, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is still there, there were signs, in, and I think Jarvis drives this of a rhythm passing game. Of, of setting things up, of Baker getting rid of it confidently and accurately, and that setting up uh, the next pass. But, I mean, this is what has to improve, guys. Like, they, they could win some games here, and they could bury the Bengals, who are historically bad. You know, mm. they, they could split with the Steelers, I think, and, you know, end up being 8-8 eight and eight or something and, and finish in 6-2. We'll see. I'm not saying that they will. I'm saying they can. In the full evaluation here, you know, are you behind because the coaching is that bad? Does it get better? Um, you know, red zone offense is one thing, and there's a lot that goes in. And sometimes the other team just beats you to the spot because it's, everything's condensed there. The playbook, the air, the field area, everything. But, I mean, they just – the reason you come away from yesterday saying, man, that was ugly rather than, man, that was joyous, is that everything still seems to be a chore. It does it, does it not? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, no, it does. And, and, you know, and that's okay. I think everything being a chore – I think that's part of the season and part of where they're going, right? And part of this is, I think all of us, I want to use the right words. I think all of us had a, I mean, we built this up and you and I have been joking, you know, from the, the moment in March that Odell came here, people were uttering the word Super Bowl, right? Yes. So everyone's mindset, and I think this is unfair. And and, I, and heck, I've even done it a little bit. I'm sure you have too, even though we've been realistic amongst ourselves and talking about where this team is at. I think because some people have had such lofty goals and thought lofty thought processes in this team and talking about winning, you know, I was on I've listened to people on the radio talking about they're going to win 12, go 12 and four and 11 and five. And I would like, I would sneeze almost going, are they, are they like, it is a process to become a good football team and winning. And we talked about this a little bit last year, winning the way they won last year, late in the season against bad teams, uh, they did beat Baltimore, which was great. Um, I think it, it, it's like the baseball player, and I said this to you last year, it's like the baseball player, that his first month of his career is in September. And baseball people always tell you, don't judge a player on what he does, you know, in the last three weeks of the season, last four weeks of the season when he's trying to make his way. And some guys is hanging on for his dear life trying to just, you know, and trying to get through the season to say put in another season. It can be fool's gold. This team, no matter how we look at it, and they did – and and. And you say John Dorsey. John Dorsey, I think, has to look in the mirror of John Dorsey. This team was put together with a lot of talent, but they're not re- they're not a playoff team yet. And I think part of – and this is how John Dorsey has to look at it, from my opinion. Okay, are we growing? Do we have more room to grow? Right. Are we at a, are we at a place that we're hitting – are we at a place – is this as high as Freddie can be as a head coach? Is Steve Wilkes the best defensive guy that we can have for what we're going to face and how teams are – because, look, you made a good point. 
and I don't know, like Buffalo's starting to running back as old as you. Shit. God bless Frank Gore. And, and Frank Gore knows what he's doing when he, when he has to get a yard. And the other kid is like, like my height, Singletary. And God bless I'm not – teams are when, – when the Browns – if the Browns ever click offensively, teams are going to do what Buffalo – they're going to try to – they're going to try to run the ball and keep the ball away from you, right? That's what good – that's what teams do against offenses that can go up and down the field. And the Browns rightfully show, so should have scored about 35 points yesterday. And Buffalo basically was just like, we'll take the air out of the ball. <laughs> we'll run, you know. Yeah. We're not going to let you – we're not, we're not going to get into a – uh, you know, we're not going to get into a, a fast-paced game with you. We're going to we're going to do what we do. We're going to keep the ball, and we're going to. And it, it, it was a. So what I'm saying is, if you're John Dorsey, you got to look in the mirror and say, Do we have the right defensive coach? The right offensive coach? Do we have the right players? Do we need to take back a little bit and, and get some grinders? Because like you you've said this for three weeks straight on this podcast, and I think it goes over everyone's head, mine included. This is a power run offense. Yes. It is so simple. They are best, but they don't have a fullback, Zach. Like, you can't be like, like, all right, who did I watch? Like, like, there's teams, you know what, the Minnesota Vikings, and this is, I chuckle, I won't say who I text last night, but throughout the week, last week, and it's somebody who you guys know, I just don't want to get them in trouble. And we were talking about the coaches search. And the person flippantly said to me, he goes, well, shit, it was either Freddie or the guy calling plays in Minnesota that we never heard of. So I thought about that when the Vikings played the Cowboys last night. You know what they, you know what they have Zach, that makes that made them. They ran the, they only ran two running plays last night against the Cowboys. They basically want to run outside zone. They want to run outside zone, and they did it four different ways. Zach, it was awesome. And I'm sitting there thinking Kevin Stefanski could have been good for us because they use a fullback sometimes to kick out the outside guy and run it, and then run inside the tackle and then bounce it. And the D- Dallas Cowboys have great defensive ends. And they found a way. Early in the game, they could not run outside. But when they needed to, their biggest driver, and they just ran it from three different formations, one time with a fullback, one time with two tight ends, one time out of the power eye. And I'm sitting there thinking, going, man, this is simple football, but they're giving the Cowboys fits because they're saying we're a power run team, we're going to get in power sets, and we're going to run down your throat when we need to and not rely on on, on the, the quarterback that's got $80 million secured in the bank. It's a brilliant way to run offense. And I start looking at Minnesota. Don't they have a lot of the same characteristics of the Cleveland Browns offensively? Two star wide receivers, mm-hmm. a star young, a star young tailback, a quarterback that's older that you think can manage the game. They're tight ends. They have an old tight end and Kyle Rudolph who made the gate great catch, but they went out and they drafted Irv Smith Jr. Who has the potential to be a stud as well. And then they moved their center who's from Ohio state. They moved him to guard all I'm saying is I see teams on every Sunday, and I thought about you last night, and it's weird to say that. I was like, isn't it amazing that the Vikings realize they're a power run team and they built their offense that way, where Zach keeps telling me every week the Browns are a power run team, and they've done nothing to build that. Go get a fullback. I hate to sound like Tony Grossi. They need a full. Do you know how much a real fullback would help on a goal line, Zach? Uh, yeah. like, it's amazing how much a real tight end. No offense to the guys they had. I know they've gone through injuries. But you need some you need some some big uglies up front to finish off these drives that they have. You do. Um, we'll just put it like this. We'll talk about a few other things before we get out of here. Um, you know, the Steelers what they went through early in the year is obviously everybody's nightmare, and you know they were zero and three, and now they're playing really mm-hmm. well. They they're coming on a four game win streak, and the defense specifically has been good. They have the best um, sack recorded to sack allowed ratio in the league at plus twenty two. Uh, nine games in, which is really impressive. Uh, you know, and some of that is just they're they're making sure that Mason Rudolph doesn't self-destruct back there. Right, right. right. Um, 
but what they've done after their nightmare starts, right, is they've gotten back to what they know. You talked at length about Minka Fitzpatrick, who's changed their defense, which was god-awful early in the season. Uh, T.J. Watt and, and Devin Bush has grown up quickly, and they are making plays. So they are playing November, December football, and the Browns mm-hmm. are still playing September, October football. So twice in mm-hmm. the next three games, this Thursday and two Sundays from now, we will see the Browns against the Steelers, and we will see if the Browns are – you know where they are, and, and like I said, we if the Browns win four games in a row, they're still going to be on the outside in. But we'll look then at where they stand in the playoff race. This is honestly right. about finding out, you know, getting the full evaluation on every aspect, specifically on your coach. And sometimes when I watch these Steve Wilkes defenses, I wonder what they do all week during the week too. So <laughs> every aspect here, full evaluation, but most importantly, guys. You are married to Baker Mayfield. And this is about, A, getting him out alive, B, him playing with confidence. It doesn't need to be perfect. He doesn't need to throw for thir- for 330, on specifically on 40 tries. I'd like to see him throw 28 passes a game, 31 passes a game, right? Yeah, to see him too. hand the ball off. Not pitch it, hand the ball off, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so th- that's what it's about. Th- this is about Baker Mayfield and getting him on the right track and making sure – that whatever has gone on, and, and it's been multiple things, um, doesn't derail him in the long term. And then whoever the coach is going to be, um, whichever uh, of your guys that are problem children or divas and or both are, are, are going to be here or not going to be here, Baker's going to be here, and he needs to be better. Uh, and, and, you know, we've seen him be better, which is why this is alarming. This is, Again, this is not a three-game slump. But the end of this right. season is about him. And the Browns coming out with some good vibes going forward, and then and then we'll talk all off season about maybe a, a calmer, lower key approach to things, and a wait and see, uh, respect the process type deal, rather than win the Instagram championship of the world. But that's for a later discussion. Well, finally, let let's you, not poo poo this. Do, do, We've got a Browns really Steelers game that, on Thursday night. Do you really wait? Wait, 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 wait. Do you really? Well, you just said something. I'll let you go right into that. Do you really think they can do that with Baker? Because, as you know, and we went through this, and I'll say it quickly because I want you to get to where you're going. Um, we watched this with coaches, and you tell a great story in your book about the man, uh, about Mangini and the, and the bus trip and everything else. And the one thing Mangini said to me, one-on-one, is that, Andre, if you start your program off with the team and you start off soft and you allow them to be one thing, that you'll never be able to change them because I think you're phony and fake. I think that they've allowed – I want to say they've allowed Baker to be Baker. I don't see them putting it. You know, my line, I don't see the toothpaste going back in. You got to live with what you've allowed him to be. And that scares me. I'll just leave it at that. And yeah, I've had well, multiple we'll NFL I, coaches I, I, say to me, you can't I would change say this. guys. I was talking allowed. more about him as a player. And I certainly think his personal maturity is a part of that. But I okay. meant the whole vibe in and around the team internally and externally. How do we have a firm grip on who and what we really are, where we really are? you know, what it's going to take uh, to get there. Yeah, I know what you mean. And Tom, and I, whoever I'm saying this, because I'm a big fan of The Athletic, as you guys know. And you know, I read your articles almost as soon as they post. I feel like a fanboy. <laughs> um, but I don't. was it Tom or Jason? They were writing about the, the penalty on Jarvis Landry. And, and there, it was written well because Baker's quote was basically like, it didn't hurt us. Because Jarvis is a player. Jarvis is our leader. Jarvis knew what we needed to pump us up. And you know what? I, if for as much as it pissed, like I never, and this is, and this is weird, but it's, it's real. I never got pissed at Jarvis getting that penalty. Because, and like, as Baker said that, I shook my head in agreement. Like, yeah, 
I got what was going on. I've been like, I, I, like I don't like the penalty. I think referees should stay out of that unless it gets ugly. Like, I, like whatever. I don't know what was said. Referees have their job. But when Jarvis does that, I'm like, hell yeah, he is. He's here to play, and he's telling this. He's telling this corner, don't talk shit to me. I'm about to give you that work. That's part of the game. I'm sorry. I, well, you're played. right, but let me say That's, this. Here's how I read that situation, and I love Jarvis, okay. and you know I say he's the one guy I who too. shows up and plays his I ass love off. But here's yeah. how I read that situation. When Jarvis was with the Dolphins, he had a block yes, I know. that basically ended a Bills <laughs> player's career. And, Correct. Um, I thought in that moment that was him personally wanting to yap with those guys when it was like, you just made the play, you just scored the touchdown. You guys are two and six. Get your ass back to the huddle. That, that's I, the way I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree. But you just hit on it. There was there's and people for most people you just told something. I knew that part. There was deep blood between those two teams because not only did they do that, he knocked a guy out in the preseason game last year against them as well. If you remember, um, they had there is bad blood between Jarvis and the Buffalo Bills. All I'm saying is, and I'm and you know I'm a Jarvis. I'm I if I was going to buy a jersey of anybody on the Browns. He'd be on the top. He's in the top two for me. I would buy an 80 Jarvis Landry jersey. I love how he plays. To me, Zach, we don't know what those Buffalo guys have been saying to him either. Like, it's saying, look, but my point is, no, like, you're right. Happens. No, I'm like, just saying, I don't like, think anybody handled it with maturity. Right. No, but there's not always, and I'll say this, and that's why I go back to what you said about Baker. I love this conversation, though, because I think it's, it, it has some deeper roots. There's a lot of things that are said on the field that you would never say in everyday life to each other. And I get officials have to, They've got to. They've got to take care of the game. I didn't feel like that. I think it looked bad because Jarvis jumped right back up in his face and said something. When the throw was unbelievable, by the way, and I cut you off earlier talking about that. My bad. That throw was. It was a great throw. A great read by Baker. It seemed like two guys in the play. You know what that drive looked like? It looked like a drive with. It was a team. It was a team drive. A team. The, both the big throw. Yes, the big throw to Jarvis in the fourth quarter where he had to adjust and go get it. You know what that looked like? Two guys that have played with each other and practiced with each other that knew that in that moment, hey, I may, I may have to throw to your other shoulder if I'm taking a hit, Jarvis. you got to go get it for me, brother. He had a trust with Jarvis that we haven't seen him with all the other receivers. So kudos to that. All I was getting at with Jarvis, because I want to get back to what you were saying. I like When I read the quotes, and I wasn't there for the quotes, but when I read that article by Tom or Jason at The Athletic, just read all of them. They're really good. It's a really good process of what happened in the game. They do a great job of breaking up different parts of the game and writing about it. But Baker and all the other players are almost like, we weren't pissed at Jarvis. That was Jarvis trying to set the tone for the game for who we are. And to me, I was like, wow, okay. I didn't like the penalty, but I understand when you're a leader, there's a way to set the tone. And he did. And now, did that point almost hurt him because of the Cleveland Browns? Absolutely. <laughs> but <laughs> but it was Jarvis, and I never got mad about it. So I'm admitting, I'm a human being. I don't have, you know, my feelings aren't always right. But I do love Jarvis Landry and what he stands for. Well, look, with this team, I mean, Dre, they had 50 penalty yards in the first three minutes of the game. I mean, <laughs> I'm not discounting what you're saying about the heat of the moment and setting the tone and, all, and, and how guys trust Jarvis. But, you know, this is a team that's continually self-destructed in multiple ways. Yeah. Right? And, and I'll I tell you guys you. this. Jarvis and Odell, for what anybody on the outside thinks of them, they have been nothing but class in their dealings with the media. They have been – you hear nothing – inside the facility other than their workers and their pros and they love football 
And so, you know, people get caught up in what they post and how they dress and, and all this. And, and Odell's long winding answers, they are exhausting. I'll give you that. But they're grown adults. <laughs> they handle their business and they love football. And when you look up and down the rest of that receiver room, the maturity level is not real high. Oh, and that's oh, not breaking news, guys. That's just what it is. So as a leader, as a tone setter, he can't take that penalty. Hey, okay. I, I hear you. But, but you said something earlier about the receivers. Um Antonio Callaway hasn't given up on the field to deal with the issues they've given, right? Right. Like, well, at what point? What, at Just what get point rid of him. It, 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 you're you're you. holding Thank your you. whole organization back by pretending that Thank he can you. help you. And even and, and didn't Baker? Somebody said, "Yeah, we had plays set up for him today and everything, but we had to throw him." Like that's they're not at a point where they can deal with that. Like that's not like it's not a. <laughs> Let's talk about the Steelers, as you were saying before I cut you off. My bad. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, we'll see. Um, We'll see what happens, but they obviously have decided that their defense is going to be their identity, that that they are going to minimize what Mason Rudolph has to do. He's getting more comfortable. The O-line is obviously playing well uh, by the fact that they've been able to grind out yards with third-string running backs and slot backs uh, coming off the IR and playing and, and, you know, different guys. They found a way to do it. The defense is playing, and we'll see. Um, You know, if the season ended today, and it does not, they would be in the playoffs, which is remarkable after starting the season the way that they did. Yeah. But um, I love, in a way, how most of these division games are for the end of the year. And obviously, Browns fans yeah. love that two of the remaining games are against the Bengals, who are completely helpless. I don't necessarily love that the that the Browns go Steelers, Dolphins, Steelers. But it adds some spice, some sizzle. And I just think, finally, even though the circumstances are not what we thought they were because Ben's not here because the Browns are 3-6, and six, this game, you know, the, all these Brown, these past Browns Thursday games have been NFL Network. This is Big Boy Fox, right? This yep. is out there, and and finally, you know, for the people who've been around this for a long, long time, and we know Brown Steelers hasn't really been a rivalry for a long, long time. So I just feel like this is a game to get excited about. Uh, I think the atmosphere will be electric, and I, you know, I think it's a great challenge for both teams. I think it's another probably 17, 19 points wins it. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. Maybe Freddie will benefit from the short week and condense things and not overthink things <laughs> or overplan things. I just go out and play football. And against Minka and Bush and those guys, I'm really interested to see what happens. Yeah, Devin Bush, I tell you what, I walked by him and I told you this when it happened. He walked by me at a Detroit Tigers-Cleveland Indians game. He was going out first pitch. And I remember thinking, this guy's a first-round pick as a linebacker. Um, he's been devastating. <laughs> he's had, you know what's scary about what the Steelers are doing? And I'm not saying Minka is Troy Palomalu, and I'm not going to say that. I can't even see Devin Bush as one of their old-school type linebackers. He's a new school. He's a speed guy. Um, but they're making devastating plays on defense. Uh, they're reminding you of the Steelers before Ben Roethlisberger, right? You know, where they, you know, where they, just, they, they beat the hell out of you defensively and made a couple plays on offense to win. Now, we're talking about two kids in their early 20s, and who knows what their future may be. Um, but the last thing I'll bring up about culture is that when the Steelers were in doubt, and when I was reading the writers, the athletic writers that write in Pittsburgh, and I respect them because I know a couple of them, and they've been around forever, one of the off-season talks was that has Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers lost their culture and who they are. That was one of the questions that was asked in Pittsburgh about the team after the Antonio Bryant stuff 
after the the uh, the running back that's with the Jets now, his name is escaping me right now. Le'Veon Bell. And you um, said Antonio Le'Veon Bryant. Bell. You were talking about another idiot receiver. Uh, uh, he, went, he went. He went to the University of Pittsburgh, right? Yes, but he I, did. Yeah, close. There, there. I didn't see what I can remember and don't remember. I'm, I got all kinds of issues. Play a little oh. American Fireworks Glory Days here, guys. Um, when Antonio Bryant was with the Browns, there's a lot of stories uh, that uh, I, I'm not going to tell. And this one's obviously uh-huh. a little bit unverified, but I'm I'm going to tell it. I'm going to tell one. I shouldn't, but go ahead. So, A.B. apparently um, went on this date. And we just called him A.B. Oh, you tell it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, a real A.B. <laughs> yeah. And, and he was a nice guy. He was a different cat. I love him. I, I never had an issue with him. Remember, the Brown, a, a trade deadline day, way before trading was in, it was a straight-up player swap. Quincy Morgan for Antonio Bryant. Yep. Quincy yep. Morgan go play Quincy Morgan football. Yeah. And, uh, so, Antonio <laughs> Bryant was here. And apparently he went on this date with this girl, and I don't know if her her, her ex whether whatever. Um, anyway, he was apparently wearing story. sweatpants. I'm gonna finish this story. I'm gonna finish this story off for you. Go ahead. Okay. Well, he he apparently was wearing sweatpants on this date, <laughs> and they were down they were downtown Cleveland somewhere, and he got jumped mm-hmm. by four guys, and he beat up the first three. Is that is that correct? <laughs> and then he got on a plane. The next day we were going to Minnesota. He got a black eye, and his hand was basically in a cast. And he still tried to play the next day. Here's the, the, the other parts of the story I'll fill in. Because uh, Zach is doing very good at telling it. He wasn't. It was, it was basically a, frater- a black fraternity was at this place. The restaurant that they went to downtown no longer exists. It was a chicken and waffle spot. It was a Friday night Cavs game. We were flying to Minnesota the next day to play the, the Vikings on Sunday. He went down there and went on a date in his sweatpants. Um, and supposedly the girl had used to date one of the fraternity dudes. A.B. being from Florida, from deep down in Florida, not giving a shit, basically said, you know, like, respect my time or I'm going to fuck you up. The dude that he said that to basically didn't want none, so he went and got his fraternity brothers. Okay. And and they tried to jump him. And when they tried to jump him, what I was told is Antonio almost killed everybody in the bar and in the restaurant and got away. That three guys basically looked like they got pummeled. He didn't take a hit, but he got jumped. And you would have, ne- and the next day, um, you would have never known. So, two weeks later after that, and, re- and he played the game. It was never reported because, and that was Antonio Bryant to finish the story off. So it was a real cold game a couple weeks after that. And if you remember, and if you can go back and go through the archives and do this, every time Antonio Bryant got tackled, his pants would get pulled down, and you would see his ass crack. Yes, that happened so, all the time. Yeah. So finally, I asked him because half of our half of us were afraid of him. But I realized, just go talk to him, and he'll talk. He's a normal dude. Just a little crazy. So I go to him, and I'm like, hey, man, why don't you, put some, why don't you wear some drawers or something? Why are your pants always coming off? He's like, bro, where I'm from, it's all about asses and elbows. You got a problem with it, you stop me. And I was like, no, you're fine, Mr. Bryant. <laughs> I'll never forget that dude. I love that dude. And if he would have ever, but see, in, in life, if he would have ever just had some calm in his life, he could have been a Stud, Zach. He had all the ability. Was strong, fast, ran great routes, had strong arms, could fight three guys at once. <laughs> yeah, he just was. He was a different character, though. He was he, a different. He character. won the Blitnikoff Pit. Had back-to-back Blitnikoff winners: Larry yeah. Fitzgerald and Antonio Bryant. Yeah, right. That's yeah. unbelievable. And he was a good. Like I said, he was intimidating to a lot. But if you took the time to get to know him, he was not a bad person. He just grew up in a whole different world than most of us grew up in. He was a competitive <laughs> dude. He he loved yeah. to play. Yes. Yeah. All I can say is the guys on that team that were really competitive that we respected, 
they thought the world of him. You know, that, like that's all I, I got to tell you. The guys on that team that played with him, they absolutely loved him because they said when it was game time, it was time to play. That was a guy that you knew you could get in a foxhole with. Quincy Morgan for Antonio Bryant. That one goes in the archives. This has been American Fireworks Glory Days. Uh, they're open all year round, 24-7, AmericanFireworks.com. If you want to go out there and get some gift certificates or get some stuff with the holidays around the corner, um, they're on 91 in Hudson. It's easy to get to from anywhere. Tell them A to Z sent you, and they've been known to take care of you. Um, Dre, I'll right, ask, three minutes ask, here. Okay. Ask the elbows. Two questions. Any injuries we should worry about going into Thursday? No, I think I think they came out pretty healthy other than the bumps and bruises. So, uh, okay, that's good. That's huge in a short week. Yeah, I, I'm not sure they'll have Olivier Vernon back. Uh, and, you know, that's a significant loss. Obviously, but yeah, that's huge okay. because – uh, those I haven't things. gone back all the way and watched, but Chad Thomas was okay from what I saw. Yeah, I haven't watched the whole game yet. I, I watched bits and pieces, and I went back and made sure um, that I watched the last drive a couple of times. But, yeah, I have not gone back and watched the whole game yet. It's still just about exactly 24 hours out as we record this. Um, all right, that's that's fine. Let me, just some, some pieces to put together. Uh, big week for me, for my wife. My wife was already on the Cribs and Cleveland show this morning. Um, the Rec to Connect Foundation – uh, celebrity bartender event is this Saturday at Barley House. We tried to make it the best week possible uh, to get as many people out there as we possibly can. Cavs are off that day. Browns are off that day, obviously, because they play Thursday. Uh, the Cribs will be in the house. Uh, myself, we've got a ton of bartenders. Uh, Angel Gray's coming. Ricky Smith and Riconio will be there. We may have a couple of Browns players show up because of this. There's a chance Bernie Kozar may show up. Um, but despite all of that, and I know some people come for those types of reasons, um, to see people that they don't get to see every day. Zach should be there in some shape, form. He won't make you a drink. He'll deliver it to your table. Yeah, I'm not allowed um, behind the bar. <laughs> no, no. But, but it's a big night for – it's the fifth annual. Um, a ton of money has been raised in the first four years. They're going to try to outdo that this year. The rifle item, the raffle items are unbelievable. Um, shout out to the guys like Jason Kipnis, who has a new restaurant down in Columbus. Sent us a $500 um, uh, certificate to give out on Friday or on Saturday, excuse me. We basically put a Columbus package together where you can go see a Columbus Blue Jackets game, go to Seesaw, Jason Kipson's new restaurant, and we got a hotel down in Columbus. Shout out to everyone from Aloft that helped put that together. Um, we have baseball bats used in games from Yasiel Puig, uh, Francisco Lindor, uh, Jose Ramirez, Roberto Perez. We've got shoes from Corey Kluber, Shane Bieber, all-star stuff. Um, Mike Clevenger, we've got these Kermit the Frog green shoes. Um, that all worn by them, basically the whole pitching staff. Adam Pleco, we've got all that type of stuff. Um, we've got stuff from the Browns, J.C. Treader, and a couple guys. All I'm saying is there's a ton of great stuff. There's ticket packages you can get. Um, there's food. Pa- we have a food truck and a beer truck. I have a, a family member that's getting married, and we're literally telling him that he should just buy the. He should try to bid and get the food truck and beer truck and make it their wedding and make it their wedding gift. <laughs> um, because I mean, it, could you do better than that? I mean. Basically, Butcher and the Brewer has given us a, 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 a brewery truck for a party of 100. And, and, like, and, you can win, and like, you can bid and win that on Saturday. You know how cool that would be to show up in, in your neighborhood, Zach? And, uh, that's, that beer's too good for people where you live. <laughs> but we have that. It, it's, it's a lot of good stuff. It's just a lot of good stuff. It's a lot of good people. All of the funds, all of the money that you spend goes directly to scholarships, to helping kids with special needs and families with special needs get the work and get the, the stuff that they need. Uh, so they can have recreation. My wife makes recreation for kids with special needs and families with special needs um, uh, a big thing in her life because she feels like we all deserve to have recreation, and she feels like recreation has helped 
build us all into who we are. I mean, hell, look, you guys just listen to a 40 minute or 50 minute or however long minute podcast about recreation. So uh, Saturdays are night six to nine. And if you stay around and you're feeling real um, froggy, I usually, my wife and I usually stay past nine o'clock, usually about two o'clock in the morning uh, and get silly, stupid, because we have a hotel room downtown. So that's big Thursday night. Um, I'm debating, Zach. I may come to the game. I'm doing a pregame show on Fox 8. Uh, with John Tellers and PJ. Um, I did an interview with the uh, with the Hammer, with Jamie Gillum, that I think you guys are going to want to hear. It's pretty cool just talking about his life getting here. Um, so if you're not going to be down uh, fighting people in black and gold and beating up the women with no teeth, make sure you check that out on Fox 8, please. All right, hold that thought real quick. This is what, year five or year six of the Rec Connect event? Five, year five. Yeah, so listen, guys, have, having been there to all of them or maybe all but one, uh, it's not only a great night for a great cause, but it's the kind of thing that if you want to show up by yourself, stay around for a little bit, everybody's friendly and everybody's cool. It's also the kind of thing that if you can get eight or 10 or 12 people, it's an, it's just an awesome night. It, it just turns into very casual. Um, you know, if you want to meet celebs or if you just want to talk ball, if you want to hang out, uh, everybody is cheery and positive and it's just a really cool thing. Um, having been there, I, I don't, I've never seen one person say they were disappointed by, by the crowd, the environment, and like you said, six to nine is the formal time because there's rules for these things. But uh, right. gosh knows what time it, it goes really goes night. to, right? Well, can you quick? Can you quickly? Yeah, no doubt. Can you quickly give the Josh Cribb story with a guy from Ireland quickly? Because you could have told <laughs> well, I wish. But it, it, I was exemplif- thinking about exemplifying- saving it for later in the week because okay, um, okay. I, we're, this is the middle of the afternoon, and to get to my British accent, I need to have a couple drinks. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I do this thing where. Um, with my cousin, he, I'm like a trained animal. Uh, if there's a horse race on TV, he has me announce the horse race in my British accent. So oh, that's great. It, I do a lot better with that when, um, obviously when I've had a couple of drinks. Um, so that speaking so of, of going to the games and the tailgate scene and all that, I mean, the Browns stink, obviously two and six before yesterday, I come around the curve and the Muni lot is just all the way out. And there's, it's 1030 and there's still a line to get in. And so people are having fun. And I just want to say, sometimes we talk about how old we are and are we washed? Are we not washed? Um, I got to say, I'm glad we're old when all I've seen in scanning Instagram and friends, Twitter accounts is like <laughs> idiots going through tables. Yeah. Um, I'll just know. I, I mean, I'll understand being overserved, right? I was on right, Saturday. Right. <laughs> I right. will be this Saturday. Um, Me too. I just can't imagine like what would possess you to do that, you know. Um, so, so thankfully, we're too old for that shit, right? We're washed. It's good to be washed. It's good it's to be good alive to be on some stations. It's good to be washed on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you take shout it. out to hey, shout out, hey, shout out to my girl Joy, by the way, out in San Fran, out in the San Fran area. Um, she, she, her tweets during games blow me away. Auntie, keep doing what you do. I'm gonna keep messing with you. I know the Kings suck. Keep doing them tweets, girl. Uh, shout out to scene to the honeymoon grill to american fireworks to cleveland whiskey put them on your holiday shopping list as it's just around the corner facebook.com slash a to z podcast a to z podcast.com i don't know if we'll have another one before thursday if not we'll talk to you late thursday night slash sometimes friday talking about the game for andre i'm zach thanks for listening to a to z can you see why two and six